Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Autistic Brain. I am joined today by Corinne Gilmore, who is the account at Let's Talk About Autism on Instagram. I'm really excited to have this conversation because this falls into one of our new categories and accommodations, but also a little deeper into workforce. And as you guys know, I am leading the neurodistinct workforce movement. And we are here today talking about some of the challenges that Corinne has faced some of the things that she has come in contact with that have made her own accommodations really challenging, even as a special educator in a world where accommodations are the language she talks every day. So guys, here we go. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready because this is where we go against the mainstream, say no to outdated society norms. And we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Corinne. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, and I think it's both quintessential and necessary to have these conversations. You know, without this, we can't continue forward. Absolutely. And I think there are so many people that have questions that are, you know, in late identified life. One of the things that, that I get asked most often is, well, I've been working at this job for a while, or this is a brand new job. This is like job number six in the last two years. And, you know, do I disclose or I need accommodations, but I haven't yet gotten an official diagnosis. So I don't have anything to show as far as a letter, but how can I get accommodations? You know, those are some really big conversations that we have in our world. And Corinne, I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about this today. So as we're getting started, just share a little bit of your autism journey with us. I know you were early identified, but that doesn't discount or or set aside the challenges that we face as adult autistics at all. I do. <laughs> we face so many similar things. We do. And I'll say very upfrontly, I think it made me have to become an advocate earlier. Um, you know, like when I was in middle school, we talked about, you know, middle schools have some issues with, you know, providing things and we were, I was able to get services more. And so I was able to learn, you know, how to advocate from middle school into high school and then into college. So, um, having that diagnosis, I mentor a lot of autistics and I tell them, especially in the adulthood, I'm like, is it worth it? Um, a lot of times you do go out of country to get it as an adult. So firstly, y'all rock who get it later. I was blessed at getting it uh, when I was 18 months. They gave me the, we think you're autistic, but we can't tell you're three. Um, and then the only symptom I didn't have at the time was hugging. I love hugs. Uh, my poor husband, I'm his cuddle monster. Uh, but everything else, woo, to a T. Um, and so we were very blessed. I got diagnosed young. I worked with uh, Stars Academy and really got services quick. Um, I actually, one of my maids of honor, Beth, was the one who taught me how to talk. My first, you know, words were, I love you, mom, because she was crying, think I'd never be able to do anything, because that's what people were telling her at the time. So I think it's important that even though, like, 
were diagnosed at different times, the struggle was still there. And so as I grew up, I hid my autism a lot, actually. I did not want people to know I was autistic. Um, the first time I ever really brought it out was actually college because I remember one of the guys, he was like, you know, we have to fit a certain quote of disabled people. He was like, and you're so high functioning, it works great. And I was like, okay, so this is actually a good thing when you apply to a college that you're autistic. And he was like, yes. And it got me in. I mean, I've gotten in, you know, like the, the fourth, actually, I went to a few colleges myself. So I thought I'd be a nurse. So I got into this nursing program Then the cadaver came out. Nope, not nursing for me. Um, I went to class every day, passed out, and I actually got a C because the professor was like, you bombed every test, but you came and you threw up and you passed out, but you came every single day. Like, you deserve an award and then some. Um, that was a horrible sensory, by the way, for me, it was formaldehyde. Um, and so I went into this community college, got into teaching, loved the kids, loved you know, advocacy and everywhere I went, they kept putting me with the disabled children. Oh, well, you're really good with them. You're really good with the combinations and modifications. So here we go. Um, moved back to California, got into University of the Pacific, uh, where I got my, you know, master's in special education. And I got ringed in by Dr. Christina Rusk. And I'm glad I did because I've always been student centric. And so going into the workforce, I thought, hey, I'm going to go into schools. You know they're going to be understanding of accommodations and modifications and boy was i wrong <laughs> so i would say that my life story of being autistic and of living with autism has impacted everything i do from you know the friends i've had to people i've met and the opportunities um so yeah it's kind of just a general overview of who i am and as of today you know i'm still trying to find that little niche where i belong um in a world well, that's not always nice to neurodiverse people. So. Corinne, do you think that as an advocate yourself um, and, and as a special education teacher, that when you are going to a school district who is your employer and you're saying, these are the accommodations that I need, and they are flat out saying, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to meet those accommodations, then when you go back and you're, you're looking at your students and your IEPs and the accommodations that your students need, what does that make you think? How does that make you feel? Well, for example, in Oakland Unified, they're phenomenal at their accommodations. They're just horrible at getting them to teachers. <laughs> like they were fantastic with the students and you had a fight though to get them. So I think that's kind of where I feel like every district I've worked in, I've had to fight for my students, their accommodations, but the teachers get it. So it's all like depends on who you talk to. I've only met, I mean, of the many school sites I've worked at, there have only been four educators where I've had to be like almost cussing them out that IEPs are legal documents. Um, and it shows that teachers care, but the district doesn't. And so I like to put that difference out there because I have met so many more educators who want to learn. They're like, teach me how to do this, especially because I taught English. So all the English teachers love me. They're like, okay, give us everything you have, you know? Um, and I think it's also the idea of autistic children become autistic adults is forgotten quite a bit. Um, you know, like I am like my students, you know, I still have my own accommodations, modifications that I need to succeed. And if you can't meet those, just like any IEP that goes bad, it's not going to go well. 
And so I think that I've had to learn to put my foot down. Uh, my body is really good at telling me no, it just won't, my own health, other health issues kind of pop up, uh, which is a blessing and a curse simultaneously. Um, but yeah, I think that it's more so I have found an employment issue um, that it seems like even schools who work so hard to help students forget that there's adults too like this. Um, so I think that maybe they're too black and white and we need that gray area, you know. Like, <laughs> and they say we're black and white. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a little bit of a gray area here, you know. Um, I mean, I told you the story about one of the places I worked at where they refused my doctor's notes. And, you know, my doctor, like my neurologist, she's one of the top. She doesn't have a lot of time. And so she wrote this note. And they're like, not good enough, not good enough. And so they're penalizing me because they don't approve of my documentation. So I guess like for me, I'm like, even with doctor's notes, even with doctor's documentation saying what I need, it's still hard. So I think that depends on your employer, depends on what you're doing. There are so many things that it shouldn't depend on, but it does. Um, and as we were talking earlier, I, I want to make a system where that's all changed. So, you know. <laughs> that's, that's one of those steps that we're taking is having these conversations. As, as you're looking at right now, you know, viable employment because, you know, working in a school system where you have health issues and COVID and, and those types of exposures are a really big threat to your physical health. Yeah. What are some of the things that, that you're noticing or that you're looking for? Are there any things that are jumping out to you that are like, wow, this is really making accessibility for me to work very difficult right now? Two letters, HR. <laughs> uh, but HR has, was really difficult across the board. I had some amazing principals who stepped up and helped me out quite a bit. Um, others who just were overwhelmed, God forbid, there's enough going on right now. Um, but HR is a nightmare. I think that HR reform is something I'm a big believer in, especially when it comes to accommodations and modifications. And it shouldn't take, one of the employers said it would take me eight months to get my accommodations. That's not okay especially when I had already pre-disclosed pre that I'm autistic, this is, you know, things I'm going to need. Um, and that's why I left the position. You know, you ha it's tough, but you ha I have to leave. I will not tolerate certain things, and HRs are one of them. I will say on that ironic note that I never thought districts would be better than uh, charter schools, but they definitely are. Um, so my charter school experience was no doctors and accepted. It was a fight with HR constantly. And then they just docked my pay. Um, never even gave me ideas of how to join my benefits. My jobs come with full benefits. Um, so I think that the communication component with HR fails. Uh, Oakland Uni Unified, I had a phenomenal HR experience. Fantastic. They had my back. They're like, here's what you need, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So, um, yeah, I would say it just depends on your communication, but also who you're communicating with. You know, like this other, I don't want to say their name because they were that bad, but I respect the person who called me the job too much. <laughs> so I think I that's understand important. that. Well, and it's important though to like note, like here are two schools, you know, a district versus charter. I'll never go to a charter school again. I mean, I'm very hesitant. Based on that, that just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and yet there's another charter school that's interested in me and they're way more open about it. And we're talking about it in the hiring process, my disability. 
Um, I will also say that in my case, I'm a spectator. It's a high demand job. People want us. So for your for everyone listening to this, like remember what you're going into too. If you're gonna try to get a job that's you know a fast food place, they not they're probably not gonna be as willing to accommodate you, you know, as a more specialized position. And it's cruel to say, but true. Um, you know, I have come in with a master's degree, so they're willing to work with me more. When I had my bachelor's degree, not as much. Um, so I think that it's sad, but that is a component of you have to show what you offer just as much as the company. Is it right? No, but it is what it is. So, sorry to oh, be a Debbie I, Downer. <laughs> no, I, that's, that's why we have this, these kind of conversations on the talk show, because, you know, that's one of the things, um, that I think make, make the workforce a real challenge. And one of the, one of the things I'm working very diligently to start shifting are the human resource practices and just not even the fact that, oh, we, we have like a paragraph somewhere that says this is what an accommodation is because the more people I coach, the more people I talk to every day, the delay between the time an accommodation has been submitted and the time someone actually does something I spoke with someone the other day who said, yeah, I put in my accommodation. It was like six or eight months later. And their solution was they demoted me. Yeah. They didn't change the job in any way. The same amount of requirements where they are none of the accommodations that were asked for, which were not even like an expensive monetary thing, but it was like, well, we're just going to do this. This will solve the problem. And essentially didn't. And what it did was it it forced her to do exactly what I think their intent was, was to quit. Get rid of her. Yeah. We're in a very highly competitive workforce and workers are replaceable. That's part of the issues with accommodations and modifications. Whereas, like I said, with SPED, I'm not as easy to replace. And yet they still treat me like that. I can't imagine someone who's easier to replace. And I mean that in like the nicest way possible because I went into teaching knowing SPED was high demand, you know, and thought I would have more power and I didn't. <laughs> so I think that truly I have found every English job where I say I'm autistic, I don't even get interviewed. Um, if I don't disclose right away, I get an interview. Um, <laughs> and these are yeah. all virtual positions. So, yeah. you know, I think that the competitivity of the workforce right now and the time we're in, something, the only cool thing that's happened with COVID is right now workers are uniting together. And I really hope autistics and neurodiverse community rides this wave where it is, we are fighting right now, whether or not you're neurotypical or not, to be real with you guys, like they're fighting right now for accommodations and modifications. They're fighting for basic needs to be met. Well, and I think life balance. Yes. And I think that COVID taught us all what's important, right? You know, like for me, I want a hybrid job now. Never thought I'd be able to be a virtual teacher. I mean, so that's one of the best things of right now. And that's actually one of the things that I talk about is this is our time because two years ago, we couldn't even get a flexible or hybrid or remote consideration. Like that was just simply reserved for elite performers in a C suite who got the bonus opportunity to work from home. But now everybody's working from home and companies are now adopting hybrid and remote jobs as part of their everyday 
continuation of business. And I'll tell you, they open the door money. to us. Mm-hmm. Well, they make more money. I know a lot of oh. business owners and they lower overhead. Money. You know, they're like, I don't have to pay for an office building anymore. Yep. You know, so I think. Well, that, and with that, because I'm in the risk management side of things as well, less yeah. insurance coverage. Yes, exactly. Like for so your for physical example, premises. Well, right. And so if I have an issue at home, I'm at home. It's my house is prepared for it. Um, you know, whereas my classroom, I had to get extra things to prepare my class, which I've learned I want my own class, you know, but like, it's important, you know, to think that way too, like risk assessment, all of it. And so I tell people, I'm like, what are the pros and cons, you know, for businesses, this is just as good as for, you know, the people. So I think that right now we are really in a workers revolution and I, I love people like you who are really fighting that. And I, I like I told you already, I'm like, I want to help. Like, I want to, you know, back you up because we need that. We need true autistic voices, true neurodiverse voices out there saying, look, this is how it benefits both the business and the people. You know, everyone knows how to benefit us, but how it benefits the businesses seems to be a harder buy in. And I come from a family where my father owned a business. So he always gives me phenomenal insight (laughs) into what businessmen think, you know, about you know, they're workers and it's not always good. So I always like to use him as my like hardest client. <laughs> well, you know, and I think that's, that's one of the things too, because, you know, I come from a family of entrepreneurs as well. And that's one of the things that, you know, we talked about and I grew up having these conversations and it's seeking the path of least resistance, you yep. know, looking for the, the best solution with the least amount of hurdles. And that is, that sets a lot of barriers in place for those of us who have hurdles. And that we can't choose. You know, I didn't and choose my legs are, to give out, you know, but I need a combination exactly. for it. So exactly. I think that I was taught the same thing and I have a lot of guilt about it, you know. Shouldn't. And I think that's a big, you know, that's a big one for me as well. And I think that that's one of the things that makes having these conversations and especially as we're we're helping companies and human resource departments start to see that there is this beautiful existence in diversity and that it's not this hard thing that they've built it up in their minds to be yeah because it really isn't because honestly I mean if 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 you think about it, for the most part, and, and you can apply this, I know you've probably applied this to your classrooms. When you start looking at the accommodations that are best for people of varying neurotypes, truly all of those accommodations benefit Never every was. neurotype. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, as we're seeing now <laughs> in remote and hybrid work, is benefiting everyone. It's the reason that all these neurotypical people are going, we can't get rid of this. This is the best thing ever. I finally have some work-life balance. I can work in my pajamas and I'm not commuting an hour to and from a job every day. And I actually have energy to play with my kids in the afternoon. And, you know, we can sit down and have lunch when everybody takes a break from school and whatnot. There's so much more to it that we have to have these conversations. So Corinne, what would you say Like in your ideal world, if you had to pick and you're like, okay, this is the one thing that I would change about how 
recruiting is done, how I am interviewed or onboarded for a job. This is number one, like the big thing. And if you got a couple, that's too, that's cool. Too. I think I have a couple, if you don't mind. No, I think go the for interview it. process is actually okay. I think that, you know, you do your resume and you, I love the virtual interviews have been fun. Phone interviews as well are interesting, um, but I think they serve a good purpose. Uh, I think the biggest one would be empowering employers so that way when they hear someone has like I'll use example of autism, they get a pre-done list already of accommodations. So that way it's no longer, but I think it'd be cool to have that as part of the interview process. Um, you know, so it's like, like I said, I'll, I won't bore you with my dream, you know, like what neurodiversity would actually look like in the workforce. But I think that it's setting up systems that are made to succeed, you know, for both the employee and the employer and having an outside, not HR, like an outside person help out with that um, is truly my dream. And it's become that as I work with autistic children. It comes out as I work with ADD, ADHD kiddos, all of my neurodiverse children. And I want them to have a better future than the one I'm in. Um, I always love when teachers are like, I know they're so scared, Corinne. Like, what if they can't get a job? I'm like, it's not what if, it's when. And the parents look at me and like the teacher's like, don't tell them. I'm like, no, it's the truth. I still have to fight for jobs. So I think that this sugarcoating that happens in schools to parents is also part of the problem. We're educating kids less and less, and we're expecting perfection from children learning something the first time. This happens also in the workforce. Well, why didn't you get it? You're supposed to get it the first time. It doesn't matter your neurotype. You got to learn things. So I think that, you know, I don't know. I'm a big believer in systems, and I think we need a new system for hiring that includes accommodations. You know, let's say someone has diabetes and they want to talk about that with their employer, giving them a place to do so. So it's not even just the invisible disability, but the visible ones, too. And I do think it's important. You know, I I have a friend, she's blind. She can't work from home. (laughs) She's like, I can't do Zoom. So uh, I think that it's, you know, our disabilities are adapting and changing in the world. And I think that we're in an old system of hiring and not even just hiring, I would argue, but accommodations where we're still in the psych ward era where it's supposed to push to the side like shush, shush you know go to your little crazy looney tune bin instead of being like well if i empower this employee they're going to do fantastic there's a I forget where it came from but my husband always tells me there's a statistic that most millennials um which i am one woohoo um have five to six different careers now that doesn't that you know that's not a neurotype that's everyone so I think well, you that, throw the neurotype in there and you could probably double or triple that. Yeah, you know, because our needs are not being met. And so I find it hilarious and truly ironic. I work in a system that's a lot of them are pushing. We need to help disabled kids. What about the adults, you know, who work among you. <laughs> so. yeah. I, I, I and people want to. Damnedest. I'll tell you, there are a lot of business owners I know who want to. They just need something that's implementable. Or I talked to one guy, he actually really wants to work with me and I'm trying to set something up. And he was like, I tried. He was like, and then I got sued by one of these people because I wasn't told something in the HR. And like, I don't want to have to deal with that, but I want to help people. And so that's why I'm always big into empowering both, right? Because if you empower the businesses, they get to empower their employees. And if the employees are empowered, they get to empower the businesses. So it's beautiful, yeah. symbiotic relationship. 
<laughs> yes. So how do we get there, right? I think people like you really help out. And like I said, when I first saw you, I was like, oh, I'm so excited, you know, and I've already offered to, you know, I'm like, let me know how I can help you. Because I think Absolutely. empowering people I... like you helps all of us too. <laughs> well, adding your, adding your voice to this is really important, Corinne, and I'm so glad that you are. One of the things that, that I've really been focusing on and something I'm working on, you know, because I come from a legal background where I've worked in a big hospital system and risk assessment and all of these things are really important. I've also worked in the insurance industry. You know, you want to talk about having four or five careers. I've had 20. <laughs> And it's like, I, I push it till I have, I've reached a, a point of where I have, like, I have mastered this and then I move on. <laughs> and I think that's just the ADHD side of me. And it's like, okay, I've, I figured this all out. Here you go. Here's your systems. I've, I've built all your processes. Here's how this works for you. It's now implementable. Everything is working. It's now efficient. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah. you know. And I wish I, I had that great. mentality because I'm so fixated <laughs> on education and work. You know, I would... you know but the, those things all, they've got this thread. But I think one of the things that when we're looking at, and you really make such a strong case for this, when we're looking at the human resources side of things, the component that's missing is you've got this autism at work program, right? And it's a 66 page playbook. All right. Someone's reading it. Well, <laughs> Probably not. And some of the biggest companies in the world have implemented this and been a part of creating this. And it's fantastic. It's, but it's very tech and IT centered. And we exist in a million industries in every yes. avenue and in places that people don't even think so autistic people, quote unquote, would work. Sales, customer service. I mean, I've got people that are personal shoppers. I mean, and, you know, and, and business owners are so pigeonholed by this very narrow scope of what we can and are able and are skilled and excellent, excellent at doing. And it's one of the conversations that I'm like, okay, look at tech and IT, that's great. Tech and IT are fantastic. And I've got lots of clients. This is what they do. And they're, oh, they are superstars at it. But that got the whole 90% of people over here that do everything else yeah, and do it really, really well. They forget it's a spectrum. We each have our niches. Um, a lot of people are shocked when they, I tell them I'm a teacher. They're like, you teach? How do you do that? I thought autistics would get overwhelmed in a loud classroom. No, I love my lab classes. They're my favorite because I know exactly what's on those kids' minds. Um, and I think that it's important to note that that like there are breakthrough like we have our first autistic lawyer like we're breaking through things and i think that part of it is giving this businesses a new model to work from and i don't think it's just hiring i think it's the entirety of what a disability is and how it can be used and you also have to be realistic like people I mean, myself, you know, I had to learn how to fight for my own accommodations, you know, so it's a learning process for both the person and the business. And yeah, I think you're onto it. I mean, I know a lot of IT people and I get compared a lot. They're like, oh, do you have visual memory? I'm like, I wish I did. That sounds awesome. I think my superpower is being normal. 
you know, appearing normal. <laughs> oh, quite superpower. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, I got that question so many times and I had so many parents start laughing because they're like, I've never guessed you were autistic. You know, that's why they get excited that I'm working with these kids because they're like, oh, my child can function. And a lot of doctors push the type that they can't. I mean, when I was first diagnosed, my parents were told, oh, she might be the next Helen Keller. She has hearing issues. She can't talk. <laughs> You know, you'll be lucky if she can even just, you know, graduate high school and get maybe a decent job. And I remember walking with my bachelor's degree when I graduated and my grandpa was like, that's my girl! I can hear him <laughs> all the way, you know, down, just proud. And when I got my master's degree, he hugged me and he was like, I'm proud of you, honey. Because no one, actually, my own tooting my own horn. In my family, I am the highest college degree, right? I'm the only one who's autistic, but I'm the highest college degree. <laughs> which is every one of my cousins makes that joke they're like of course you did you blew the neurotype like boom but you know and there is kind of that stigma where like you know i've had people tell me well you're autistic you're not supposed to get a master's degree you're not supposed to be able to do these things and and i know lots of autistics <laughs> with phds and you know multiple i know right i'm like you think education. i'm cool <laughs> yes i mean i've been University of the Pacific wants me to go on their doctorate program you know, for educational reform. And I'm like, are you nuts? Um, so, yeah, I think that it's been such a fun experience getting to learn myself. But the whole th thing through college, I would not have been able to get my degree had I not had my accommodations met. And I had, I'll shout out a name, he'll laugh at me later, but his name's Danny Nuss. And he runs the you know, resource department at University of the Pacific here in Stockton. And he saved my life. I mean, there were days I was in the ER and he would be dealing with all my professors. And his joke was, because my husband would call him, because I'm MIA, you know, he was like, if it's bad enough, your husband's calling, I'm going to take care of it for you. So I think that that support is what I want in the workforce. You know, I want someone oh like that Oh my gosh, who, yes. Can we just... Put a pen right here for just two seconds. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that would be my dream yes. business would be that support <gasps> for other autistics like myself, you know, yes. being like, look, we've done everything we can. We've accommodated, we've advocated. This is needs to happen. And then look what the great things happen, right? I took, I never took a term off. I took less classes and I was able to graduate with a master's degree and credential. So I think that Kind of showing that to businesses like look look what happens when you keep them around look, great things can be done um, the possibilities when these but having that advocate knows difference them, right because danny yes. knew me danny's like what is going on corinne's not even calling me so i think that would be my dream job truly would be to be able to do that for people you know be that advocate that businesses i can talk to a business be like okay here's what's going on here's what we're going to do to help this person out you know and let's do it um you know i'm really tired of the hyperbole talk and no walk you know let's start walking now um yes so. please can we <laughs> can we please <laughs> may we please just put on some really good looking jimmy chews and walk it <laughs> i'll even wear stilettos i'll have my cane next to me but i'll rock a stiletto let's go <laughs> like, <laughs> look i could take like four or five steps but i'd look good doing it <laughs> right but at least i took steps put it on my flats and i'll walk the rest of the way tell you what because that's one of those things that comes with a lot of our neurotype is that our neurophysiology our physiology is different not just our neurotype and oh, yeah. having also been a woman who had to resign from a very large job 
because I couldn't get out of bed anymore because I was that sick physically because I didn't know that I was not getting my own needs met because I didn't know I was autistic, <laughs> but I was working yeah. 60 hours a week running 10 departments in a hospital. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> bless you. Bless and, you. It's just, and you wonder, you know, you look back and you're like, I just couldn't figure out why I was so stressed out and all these things. And now you're, and then you, you find out you're autistic and you learn about all these things about yourself and you're like, oh, now I totally know why. I mean, and I'll tell you, I'm like, I was autistic. I was, I am autistic, right? And I was the first ever at University Pacific to get over-united. So usually it's 18 units. I got 28 units dropped down to 23. And that's the term I got really sick. It was in hospitals. And there was a wow. lot of family drama, family issues. <laughs> it's 10 courses, including a work study or field work where that's I'm working insane. with kids. Same. That is and insane. my husband always makes a joke. He was my boyfriend at the time. And he was like, you wonder why you crashed and burned? <laughs> like, I would have burned a lot sooner than you. Um, so I've been very blessed to have a support system, which is something else I always tell my mentees. Get a support system. Um, our families aren't always the best. Mine tries their best. Sometimes they're not. Um, and my husband's the best one. I married a man who is neurotypical ish um and very just very understanding and i remember him he did a lot of research on autism and you know there are family members who tell him how to talk to me and that i couldn't understand sarcasm which is true i used to cry and he's like but i'm not going to treat her any different and i think that's almost what i wish businesses would do do your research work with us treat us not differently but where we need to be you know, like there are certain things we need. That doesn't mean we have to be treated differently. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not, we're not lesser. Get you don't to have to know the us. individual. Get to know yeah. the individual. Right? So it's not like, oh, well, all autistics have to be treated like this. No, yeah. Corinne likes sarcasm. It's a fun language to speak now, you know, but it took me a while to learn it. So give me the ability to learn it. And that's more, I think, what I was trying to say. I wish businesses would be like, okay, it's going to take them a while to learn, but let's teach them. You know, let, like, let's work with them. And, you know, I also think, like I said, COVID has really changed the workforce, the work environment. And I'm curious to see how this continues to change and evolve and benefit more people. You know, we're one of the Western civilizations where we have like such bad workability numbers, all of it. I would say we could learn a thing or two from our European counterparts about like long vacations, paid family leave, and like I said, it, I think it's more so of a cultural thing as well as a neurodiverse thing. The neurodiverse community, we just need it more. <laughs> like, you know, if I don't get my needs met, it's very different than a neurotypical person. But yet it benefits everyone all the same. So I think exactly advertising it that way. It's not just for, you know, one group. It's more so for the benefit of everyone at the benefit. Yeah, no, it's just the benefit of everyone, actually. <laughs> The word is. Building a workforce for humanity. Yes, it thinks of us as human beings. I mean, we have fought this kind of thing since the 1800s, right? Like, you know, unions need to come back. And I had a friend of mine who once wanted, she's like, God, I wish we had a neurotypical, or sorry, neurodiverse union. She's like, I wonder what they do if we all unionized. And, <gasps> oh, you know, now I'm wondering, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, she got me really thinking about it, so you could blame her. Mm. But truly, like, you think of it that way. And I think that through great struggles, great things happen. And I always tell everyone, I'm like, 
sadly, being neurodiverse makes or breaks you in this world because it's a cruel place. So I try to, every person I work with, whether or not they're a kindergartner or a college student, um, I empower advocacy, you know, like you are not a victim, you're a survivor. You know, you can do this. We're going to move forward. We're going to keep fighting. Um, and the goal one day will be to have systems we don't have to fight anymore. Like we could actually just be. <laughs> well, I, I add to that that we have survived to this point. Now we shall thrive. <laughs> now we shall thrive. We will thrive on our terms fully autonomous and empowered with what we know about ourselves, about mm-hmm. our needs about our strengths, about the things that, hey, we kind of, we struggle with this one. This is a thing. And just being able to know that it doesn't mean that we are broken. It doesn't mean that we are less than. It doesn't mean that we don't do it differently and that it makes us any less. We are completely worthy of all things and we are perfect in just the way we were created. And we add something to the world every Mm -hmm. moment of every day. Amen. Truly. <laughs> I mean, truly, you know, and I think that's how I feel a lot of the time. It's like I have fought. I'm stronger than I ever could have imagined. Um, a lot of people around me, like my little sister, she wants to be a nurse because she's so angry at how people treat me. Um, <laughs> you know? So, like, I think you know, we impact our communities and it takes a community to raise a person. And, you know, the community has to remember that, too. You know, so I would say that in a world where everyone is looking for something that makes them different, neurodiverse people want to not be different is always what I feel like. (laughs) You know, we're like, we just want the job. You know, we just need this accommodation. And I learned this a lot when I worked with college students, you know, like they're like, what makes me different? I'm like, you're autistic. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, whereas my two siblings, both of them are not. They're neurotypical. And they talked about how they were jealous that I had that one up on them. Whereas my cousin was like, have fun with that. I'll be normal. Um, so I think that, you know, that's how people look at it. You know, it's like, what? I don't know. I, yeah, I'll go, I won't go into my cultural spiel about how everyone wants to be different. But neurodiverse people, we are, we're born this way. We're born different. So, you know, we get to be what others want to be. Well, you know, that's where the term neurodistinct comes from, from my my friend, Tim Goldstein. I mean, I had a conversation and we said, you know, everyone wants to be distinct. Not everyone wants to be divergent. You know, when you look at it from a marketing and branding standpoint, you know, divergent, meaning moving away from and being separate. Yeah, sometimes we want some space. We want that six foot of space and then separation, but we want to be just, everyone wants to be distinct. Yes. And oh my God, I can't tell you how many people are like, did you fake your autism so you can get into a good college? That would have been a lot easier. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I mean, I felt I actually have had more of that challenging component from the medical community than I have from any job. Uh, which we can go into another spiel about that another day. But um, truly, I think that, you know, having, being able to articulate my needs, wants, and desires is something that throws a lot of people off. For some weird reason, there's a stigmata where it's like, you know, well, you're different. You're like in the movie, Corinne. 
I, you know, they're like, you're like that movie character where you're like a superhero and you overcome it and it's awesome. And at the end of the day, it's like happily ever after. And I'm like, well, uh, that's not really how it works. Um, this is still like a, you know, I mask it well. You know, I choose to mask and I, I do it well, but it's still there. <laughs> like, it doesn't go away, you know. So truly, it's, I think that's something people forget is like, even though something's working, like in an IEP, you know, like with accommodations, modifications for business. If it's working, keep it going. You don't just go, bye-bye, you know. No. <laughs> well, Corinne, as we're wrapping up, what would be the one thing that you would want another autistic person who might just be coming to the knowledge that they are autistic today to know that would help them on their journey? You're not alone. Uh, Welcome to the club. Woohoo, neurodiversity. Um, And I don't mean to sound starky when I say that, but it's double-edged sword. You have this answer. You've known something's been wrong. And I say wrong, excuse my language, but you know, you felt different. Something felt weird. You know, you're not alone. There are more more resources out there than when I first started working. Um, And I'm 28. (laughs) So I've been working since I was 19. Um, so there are resources out there, reach out, you know, and do self-love. You are not going to be like everyone who is autistic or not, you know, learn yourself. Um, 28, I am who I am. I'm very blunt. Um, I'm snarky. I hurt people's feelings and I have to be real about that and be aware that my actions hurt others. You know, they have consequences. So do some self-love and discovery, you know, and find a way to do so that's healthy because once you have that base i can sit here talking yeah i'm autistic here's my problems you know blah 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 because i have enough love and support and i guess that'd be the second one which is the harder one you cannot make people love you you cannot make people support you but when you find those who do treasure them do not treat them like dirt don't blame your autism for things really treasure them and work with them, you know, like, I've always been really empathetic. So if I hurt someone, I asked them, why did I hurt you? And I think that was the, the, some of my best friends were the ones I hurt really bad. And they were like, that really hurt. And I was like, what happened? And so instead of it becoming, we're not friends anymore, they're my best friends. So you, know, you can make dark things into something beautiful. I don't know. My always phrase is, there is good in everything, no matter how small, no matter how tiny, there's always some good doing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, Corinne, I love that. There is, and I, I believe in that as well. I think there is good in all things, even if it's just the smallest little pinpoint of light, there is good in all <laughs> things. And I think that that's such a big one because what you have shared is that through your vulnerability to ask a question of, how did I hurt you? And to be able to have a conversation and, and, and hear what someone else has to share and to create that deeper connection to say, hey, there's communication style differences here and <laughs> let's talk about it because that wasn't the intent because nine times out of 10, there isn't an intent to intentionally wound another person, but there is a, when you come together to have that vulnerable conversation. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that today. Thank you for joining us and talking about accommodations, talking about things that we want to see changing in the workforce today and, and what we hope to do about it. 
from both our different perspectives. So thank you so much for being here, Corinne Gilmore from Let's Talk About Autism. Guys, be sure you go check her account out to see what she has. She's going on. She's sharing all kinds of great things. She's got great questions, good commentary, all kinds of great stuff over on her account. Go check it out. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll see you soon. Take care. Hi, my name is Carol Jane Whittington. I'm, I am one half of the Coaching Cafe Academy team, along with my coaching partner, the amazing Ali Arena. And we want you to join us in this life-changing community coaching experience. This is the first neurodistinct program of its kind, designed with autistic and ADHD brains in mind, because Ali and I are neurodistinct. We have opened the doors to the brand new Coaching Cafe Academy, and they will only be open for a few weeks. We want you to be a founding member. The Coaching Cafe Academy is the perfect neurodistinct home for anyone looking to learn from and with people who speak the same neuro language and where we all understand one another's perspectives. If you are looking to leave behind the tips, tricks, and empty promises of neurotypical communication and relationship experts and ready to enter the real world of the neurodiverse communication ecosystem for neurodistinct humans, where translation of neurotypical and neurodistinct communication becomes a clear language, where all neurotypes are seen, heard, respected, and understood then this is your home. Enter the home of authentic connection. This isn't just a course. It is a central community of authentic autistic and ADHD connection that is warm, vibrant, and full of kind, gentle, and patient people just like you. Hallie and I are fully involved, totally hands-on, giving support and guidance every step of the way. Why not start 2022 in the best way possible? Join us in the Coaching Cafe Academy and we will continue this amazing journey together. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me A Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.